Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 7, Episode 13, Chapter 130, The Crucible. Panic ensues after Archie and the gang learn that Mrs. Thornton is accused of being a communist. Cheryl's father forces her to out gay students at Riverdale High or risk losing power over the vixens. I'm throwing my hands up with this show. <laughs> we knew we were. this is what we were getting to. Like, this isn't a shock by any means. It's just like... <sighs> we we have reached the point now with the non-resolution of the storyline that I am just counting the episodes down at this point. Well, and there were there were some things in this that were very like pointed and kind of like a wink at the audience, which I was fine with. And then there were just some other things that are just like y'all are trying to make a big statement here without also looking at what you as a show have done that is not great. So I, it's just, it's interesting, but I do feel like this episode really just is taking us down a path that supports my theory that I posed last week, which is that we're just going to reset to season one, essentially, and because that's all comic books do. They just keep cycling and cycling and cycling, like it's never going to end, and that's okay, um, but the ride could have been more worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say the so the one interesting thing about all of this is in this season, the characters are living out the most positive version of what happened originally. No, not at all. Uh, I don't know. I not feel like they're all. actually confronting some of the issues that they didn't want to talk about ever. I think they're doing a better job of confronting some issues that were at the beginning. But no, this isn't the best case scenario for any of them. Well, I don't. Okay, I don't mean that. I, I I don't know that it's necessarily that that's best case scenario. I think it's that we're doing the same story, but what we're exploring is them actually like confronting it rather than running away from it, like they did mm-hmm. when they were originally teenagers. Yeah. So I guess that's good, but I don't know. I was expecting them to finally get on the train of something else, and while. It's kind of fitting for them to end that way. It also feels like kind of a dud. Yeah, not not great. We start this episode. Jug is, you know, doing his narration. He start he's typing in his train car, uh, and then we cut over to Archie. He's in Miss Thornton's classroom and he's writing, and they're smiling at each other. So like he's feeling encouraged. Um, and then you know we kind of see who who we know to be Glenn. Uh, an FBI agent is in the elevator at the Pembroke. And then we see Betty go into her room and she's missing both her phone and her typewriter. Oh, joy. And while this is happening, Jughead's talking about how does a fire start? And then we cut to Miss Thornton's class and, you know, she's teaching. And then Featherhead comes in and basically tells her she's got to go. The sheriff and Clifford Blossom are there. She goes and then Clifford, you know, basically tells everyone that she's a communist. And they're all like, what? This is ridiculous. And then he's going to bring in Penelope to teach the class, to which the Blossom twins look at each other like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> and then, you know, Clifford said something about the red menace has come to, to Riverdale, which I'm just like, yeah, you, y'all, the Blossoms you. are the red menace. <laughs> Fun note, mm-hmm. Kevin and I believe it's Betty are doing the scene. Yes, we start out with a scene from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Uh, which is just so perfect for Betty to be the dream girl. And uh, Kevin to be the very closeted gay man in that play. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. No. Perfect. Like the pull. The the scene choices are spectacular mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. I will give them that. They're very cheeky while also 
having some deeper meaning if you don't know about it. Cat on the Hot Tin Roof is classic. Go watch it. Go read it. It's good. Yeah, so then we cut to the doghouse. Hey! hey! And the friends are asking Archie, like, do you, like, what did you, what do you know about Miss Thornton? And he's like, I didn't notice anything. This is ridiculous. Veronica kind of summarized what the Red Scare was in Hollywood about Senator McCarthy. And, you know, like, it turned out to all be bullshit. And this is a piece that was kind of um, felt very pointed, especially if you know the history about what's gone on with um, Arias's father. It's very much, you know, Kevin says, like, you know, if you're innocent, you have nothing to worry about. This is America. And they're all just kind of like, I wish we could believe that, but we've seen it happen firsthand. Which is like, all right, okay. It's an expo dump. It, it is a little bit of an expo dump. Um, but, like, not, not in a bad way. Didn't hate it. We go over to Jughead and Ethel approaching a newsstand. Like, they're super excited. It's happening. The first comic's getting published. They're going to go buy it. So they talk to the guy, and he's like, wait, uh, that's a pep comic? Nope, we sent it back. And I'm like, wait, wait, why'd you send it back? It's like, oh, I'm not selling smut like that anymore. It's disgusting and un-American. Uh, and so and he tells them to go, get away. So, like, this is a thing that did happen. Sure. But not like this. Well, here's here's the parallel that clearly is happening. They're, they're definitely hearkening to all of the book banning that's happening in our country right now. Um, someone decides a book is inappropriate, and then, you know, certain parents band together. They, you know, point out the librarian. They go after, like, this is what's happening in a lot of places, and it's absurd. Yeah, so that's kind of what they're pointing to. Again, it's fine, but it's like, it's also a little eye-rolly because we've been on this storyline for so long. It's just getting to a point where I don't care anymore. Well, they also push it way too far. I think it took too long for us to get to this place. Well, yeah, that's fair. Because the end goal of we're going to burn all of these comic books, fine. Okay, cool, whatever. Um, It's bad, it's horrible, it definitely happens. But it's like you, you've you spent 13 episodes going down this path. Eh, we could have gotten here in eight. That's, that's where oh, I'm at. Oh, so much. Yeah. We, this could have been much, much quicker. Yeah. We cut over to Thornhill. And Clifford is like, look, there's been some allegations about you having a kiss on Halloween. Cheryl's like, mm, no, nope, didn't happen. And Clifford's like, look, there are rumors about you being a degenerate and awful. And so... We've got a list and I need you to confirm them so that we can, you know, we can uh, shore up our cases against them. And uh, if you don't do it, we're going to take away the River Vixens, which Cheryl freaks out. It's like, please, daddy, not that. Not that. It's like, well, you've got a choice to make um, and it's going to affect the rest of your life. Okay, great. More gay shaming. Love it. So necessary in this show. Yeah. We head over to the Pembroke and Veronica, you know, comes in and she sees a suitcase. And then who do we see waiting in the apartment but Hiram, one Mark Consuelos. Um, he has brought her a Glamourge egg and she's like, what are you here for? <laughs> what? What's up? What'd you do? Did you get caught flirting with a script girl? And he's just like, oh, yeah, your mom's peeved, but I, I want to see your life in Riverdale. And so they hug, but you can tell she's not buying it. Diana, you, you missed the most important part. What I miss? She she says you're in the doghouse with mom, aren't you? Yeah, she did call it the doghouse. Uh, yeah, she said the secret word. Amazing, love it. Very cute. Um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. We heard it a little <laughs> bit more this season, which makes me makes me smile. Riverdale. Riverdale. 
Uh, we cut back to our doghouse. Hey. hey! And the kids are playing chess. And Veronica has brought Hiram there to meet everyone. And everyone's like, oh, it's great to meet you. Yeah, it's great. Um, oh, we're such a huge uh, fan of your show. To which Cheryl goes, especially the first season, kind of went downhill after that. I swear to God, I stopped in my tracks and was laughing because that has been the main criticism of the show. First season, awesome. Downhill after that. Pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> yep. They're not wrong. Especially Cheryl being the one to say that. Love it. Love it. And we come to find out that, you know, he's been asked to be kind of a guest lecturer and help with these dramatic scenes. So who's up first? And everyone just looks at Julian and he's like, yes, I'm hot shit. <laughs> then we go to class and Julian is doing Hamlet. He's doing the to be or not to be uh, speech. And he sucks. He's not that bad. He's not that bad, but he's clearly not comfortable. He does not understand the subtext of this scene he's doing. And as Hiram asks him question, he's just getting like he's fumbling through it. He doesn't understand that, you know, Hamlet's contemplating suicide and blah, 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 blah. The crux of it is words have power. Oh, OK. Yeah. Just never, never forget, Julian. Words have oh, power. Oh, OK. No, 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 no. That's how this is going to come back. Jughead's going to be typing something out. Those words are going to trigger and all of a sudden they're going to remember who they are. Mm, the not bend quite. The justice bit. It it's not going to be, but it's not going to be Jughead. It's going to be Archie because he's working Some, on his words. Yeah, somebody's going to do it and trigger everything. But, no, no, no. Hold on. We're, we're getting there. Uh, we go to the principal's office and Betty's there to talk to Featherhead. She's like, you know, hey, Miss Thornton was the faculty advisor, so she's not here anymore. And Featherhead's like, oh, yeah, uh, no longer have the fund to support the newspaper. And she's like, but we're high school. We need one. Why? To keep the students informed. Betty's like, well, the Blue and Gold was never exactly qualified as hard-hitting journalism, has it? To which Betty's like, yeah, not for a lack of trying on our part. And, you know, because Betty's Betty. And mm -hmm. Featherhead's just like, look, you're a bright girl. Uh, you may one day have something important to say. But that day is not today. He says this so cryptically. Yeah. What is he getting the cross? What is Featherhead trying to tell her? Uh... Basically, basically just telling her to shut up. Like, I mean, yes, but there's a lot of dropping hints. I don't think there's one here. Man. I don't, I don't think this is one. There are some later. Mm. So Betty, frustrated with this, goes to the Blue and Gold office, sees the typewriter, and takes it with her. Because she'll be damned if she stopped. Uh, so then we cut over to the music room, and Cheryl comes in, and she tells the other gays what's going on. <laughs> And, you know, she basically is just rambling and rambling and, you know, they're all just like, okay, so we can't, one, this is awful. We can't believe your dad would do this to you. And, you know, Kevin and Claire, like, you can't confirm that list, um, even if we're already in their crosshairs. And Cheryl's like, oh, yeah, you are. I saw the list. They suggest that they ask the question, who stands to gain the most from you getting off the Vixens? To which Cheryl's like, oh, I know. Cut to Cheryl confronting Evelyn. Ever, never. Evelyn ever never. She's like, have you hated me since the beginning? And she's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, Cheryl's like, there's you weren't even there, so you could have possibly seen me kiss anyone. And she's just like, nope, but I heard about it. And then I saw you and your gal pal getting handsy at dinner, which we saw that to be true. Um, so Cheryl's kind of like, fuck. Evelyn ever never. So we go back to the principal's office, but this time Archie's been summoned, and 
basically they want to know if mrs thornton has been trying to indoctrinate archie and he's like what no she was helping me with poetry she gave me some books to read and then then dr werther's just like oh that's how the enemy operates by poisoning the impressionable um and then it's a slippery slope to civil disobedience and revolution it's happening right now in cuba it must not happen in riverdale and archie's just like huh what Befuddled Archie. It's my favorite Archie. I'm shocked Archie even understands the word indoctrination. <laughs> like he gets what, like what he's, yeah. I mean, maybe he got some context clues. I'm sure he understands it, but is also just like, huh? Yeah. Uh, we go over to the theater and Veronica's showing him around. I mean, you know, like this is what we're doing. You can catch our show. And he's like, yeah, great. And so he walks into the theater and then the guy that we know to be Glenn is like, hey, how do you know that man? And she's like, he's my father. Mm. So then we cut over to Pep Comics. And Ethel and Jughead are talking to Fieldstone, being like, hey, what's going on? No one's carrying Pep Comics. And he's like, yeah, it's happening all over the country. We're being raided by holy rollers and cops. Either bundles of comics are being returned. And he's like, basically, moms have been calling other moms, telling them not to buy their home journals from any newsstands that sells crime or horror comics. And so, like... And I'm like, wow, gee, Willikers, this stinks. And Philstone's just like, look, we're just going to have to wait it out. I'm going to call other publishers to see how they're faring, how they're getting through it. And Ethel's like, hey, could I get a, can I get a copy of the comic for my, my personal, you know, stash? And he's like, yeah, the bundles are over there. So we see these bundles. And when Ethel goes to take her, she takes one out of the bundle. But we get a little music cue. It's like, a, it's almost like a dinging. Um, not quite. It's a little, it's a little weird but it's definitely very pointed when she grabs that comic and then they look at the comic they think it's cool and then they see all these stacks and they're like hey we're gonna take these too so they take all the bundles with them that they can carry <laughs> it's very cute but yeah i think the this little uh sound cue is we're gonna hear it another time in the episode and i feel like that's gonna be something that is starting to be like we're hitting bigger milestones they're gonna unlock things Core memories. Core memories have been unlocked. We cut on over to Betty and she's in her room and she's typing and we are getting a Betty voiceover. We haven't gotten that in a while or I don't know if we've had that ever. Basically, she is writing. She's basically making a an ad for a newsletter called the Teenage Mystique. It is a forum for all the thoughts and questions you're too scared to otherwise share. And they can send them anonymously to a P.O. box to the girl next door. The way she wrote it. Mm-hmm. It's, Before love... she even said the name. Oh, yeah. I knew it was the Betty for Dan bit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, love this. Love her running an alt rag. It's great. And then it being the teenage mystique instead of the feminine mystique is outstanding. <laughs> the writers are eating their Wheaties of history books. A plus. We go on over to the Andrews garage and Archie is working on his poetry out there and then frank comes in and he's like trying to hide it as though he's looking at a porn mag or something it's very like funny. he was masturbating it's ridiculous you don't think that was happening and frank's like look the principal called and told me about the stuff with edith thornton and you know and archie's just like don't she didn't try to indoctrinate me and frank's like I, that's not what i want to talk about you're not serious about all this poetry malarkey are you it's fine if you want to write a poem for a gal that you want to get with but beyond that People might get the wrong idea about you, and we don't want that, especially not at this time. It's an interesting phrasing. Yeah. Because we've learned Frank's not a dick. Frank's a douchebag and kind of ignorant. 
He's not ignorant. He's a douchebag. Okay. Well, but there is His something in the... He, I don't... There, there could literally be something in the water. I mean, it's Sweetwater River. It's poisonous maple. <laughs> That's what's in the water. But there, there's something about the way he says, we don't want that at a time like this. He Well, Just, he knows that they're going after kids that they think are gay. So if Archie's liking poetry and pursuing this, which they are alluding to being something that is gay then he yeah. can get swept up in this. That's what he's trying. That's what he's insinuating. Yeah. But there it was, was it. A... Go ahead. I just, I just find it interesting because I, I, it almost feels more like Frank's like, at the very least, keep it under the radar right now. No. Okay. No, it's, you don't need to pursue this, especially now. Cause remember, Archie has not told Frank that basketball is not like his main thing. He's not had this conversation with anyone except for Mrs. Thornton and Reggie. Mm. And Betty and Veronica know that he's good at writing poems because he wrote some. But that's it. Nobody else knows that this is something that he's actively pursuing, which is very much like season one, Archie pursuing music. Dad was pushing him on football and he was really wanting to do more music stuff. Hey, also, where is Reggie? I don't know. Basketballing. (laughs) So we go over to Pembroke. And it's time for one of those, you know, we've missed it for so long. Not really. Awkward dinner scenes between Hiram and Veronica. You've got some pops. And she's like, why is the FBI following you? Oh, because they think I'm a communist. And why would they think that? Oh, I went to Cuba. Uh, Why? Oh, I was buying cigars. So then you came here to hide out. And he goes, well, yeah, but also I need a favor. What? Um, When you just say you were with me, it was a father-daughter trip. (laughs) And Veronica's like, Ugh. so she she's torn because she's like of course i want to help you but lying to the government is a different thing so i need to think about it and hiram's like sure sure um i'm meeting with my lawyer and hopefully he can make this whole thing go away and you'll be off the hook but if not i know you'll do the right thing buff barf it's it. It, it's just purest hiram yeah hiram needs something we get it pure distilled in this one episode i like like it's yeah. not the the six seasons of drawn drawn out Hiram that we dealt with in the past. Yeah, no, I appreciate that it was quick. Like it was literally a conversation, and I also like that she didn't try to go find that find out things behind her dad's back before just being like, "What's going on?" I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. We ain't got time for that bullshit. Uh, we go, we cut to the next day, and Glenn is waiting for Veronica at school, um, and she's just she's like, "Shouldn't you be bird dogging my dad?" And he's like, oh, my partner is, but I've been assigned to you. And she's like, you know, you don't even have any proof. Leave me alone. And he's like, I'll get into my car. I'll show you proof. Just not here. So she gets in the car and Archie sees her driving away. He's like, what's up with that? Huh? <laughs> so we cut to Pops, the back booth. And apparently Hiram met with Fidel Castro. No, 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 no. Fidel, Fidel Maestro. Maestro, which is hilarious and <laughs> awful. Love it. Um, apparently he's a revolutionary who's got big, scary ideas about taking over Cuba and then the free world. And so we see this photo, but in the photo, we see Hiram making eyes and getting cozy with a lady. So Veronica already knows what's going on. Okay, cool. Whatever. I like the Veronica's like, oh, he didn't meet with this jerk. <laughs> no, he definitely met with this guy, but that's not what he was doing. He was there to fuck around. Mm-hmm. She knows. Yeah, she's not an idiot. We cut it over to what turns out to be Mrs. Thornton's house. Archie has shown up. And she's like, how'd you find me? He goes, your name's in the phone book. Oh, yeah. But she's moving. She is going to take a job 
as a volunteer at the public library in Greendale because they're less judgmental across Sweetwater River. And so Archie's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense with everything that's happening in the world. And then Miss Thornton gives him a book, a play by Arthur Miller, that might help him understand these strange times that we're in. And she gives him a copy of The Crucible. Now, I did look it up because I was like, when was that published? It was published in 1953 and we're in 1955. So it's totally appropriate. It is very funny, though, that it is the dramatist play cover that I used when I was in The Crucible. Yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. Pretty sure that's not how it would have been published in 1955. No, you'll have to look that one up because I'm not sure about that. But the play itself was had fully been out for a, a bit. Yeah. You know, Archie's excited. He's like, oh, that's great. Um, I need I need to present a scene. And I was going to do Biff's monologue from Death of a Salesman. And she looks and goes, you are the Biff type, but you're so much more. She again says words have power. Use them for good and make the world a better, freer place. So again, I feel like this is hinting at, we, we're we all assuming it's Jughead, Jughead's word, but it's going to be Archie's because well, Archie is the heart of the show. He is the heart. Or it's going to be all of them because they're all writing right now, except for Veronica. Well, they they are doing writing, but it's going to be each of them expressing something that is that is very core to who their character is. Yeah. So, uh, but Archie is going to be the one that unlocks everybody else. He has to be. Um, it's got to be the colonel that does everything else. Again, because he is the heart of the show. He's Captain Pureheart. That's who he is. Archie's the Twilight Sparkle of the show. He is the Twilight Sparkle. Um, it's just it's just it, and that's okay. And I don't have a problem with that. That makes complete sense to me. We cut over to Pops and Jug and Ethel are doing drug deals. <laughs> Both um, comic but books. But instead of, instead of Jingle Jangle, it's comic books. <laughs> um, you know, they come to Jughead. They give him a quarter. He knocks three times or whatever. And then Ethel, you know, passes the, the comic to him. And, you know, then they go on their merry way. It's very cute. Uh, she, you know, and then she's got a milkshake. They're having a great time. Uh, we go to the dark room. And Cheryl's complaining, 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 complaining. Like she's she's prattling it off. And finally, Tony's like, "Okay, we've got a plan. Okay, what is it? We're going to play pretend. We're going to make people think that you're dating Kevin and I'm dating Clay. And that should take some of the wind out of their inquisition, at at least until graduation. And then privately, we can be who we are. And they all kind of look sad about this, which absolutely makes complete sense. And Cheryl asks the very appropriate question Hiding your true self and pretending to be something you're not goes against every fiber of your being isn't play acting a betrayal of everything you stand for, which I love this. But like, this is great. Like, this is the best Cheryl we could have ever gotten. Where was this? Where was any of this? Like, I'm fine with super fucking megabit Cheryl. And then like, we got to keep her being kind of like our villain for a while. And then we got to redeem her. Totally fine with all that. Um, Like self-loathing gay. All right, cool. Her family's monsters. Fair. Got to remain closeted, you know, out of self, you know, preservation. But like this could have been a part of like, we could have had this for at least three seasons. But no, this should have been season four, Cheryl. As soon as Cheryl realized I got the hots for Tony, I think I'm gay. Oh, I've always been gay. I just didn't realize it. This could have been this should have been the path she started walking. Oh, we had all that bullshit with the with the serpents. And she t- tries to like start taking over, and it was like, no, this is what we should have been doing with Cheryl mm-hmm. the whole fucking time. Yeah. Anyways, Tony's just like, yeah, this is awful, 
but for all of our sakes, I can live with it. Which is, again, self-preservation. And also, oh. Yeah. Uh, we see Archie's reading the Crucible. He's doing his homework. Cool. Uh, and then we cut over to the Pembroke, and Hiram comes home, and he's like, what are, what are you doing up? Because it's late. And she's like, oh, I'm waiting for you. And how is New York? He's like, oh, it's not as productive as I like. I'm going to be named. And I thought I could get out of this, but there's only one thing you can do. You need me to lie. And Rose's like, because you weren't in Cuba buying cigars. And Hiram's like, yes, of course I was. No, you went to a party at the Tropicana, didn't you? A party that Del Maestro also attended. And don't bother lying. I saw the picture. And Hiram's like, well, it's possible we were there. I wasn't there for him. Which Ron's like, nope, you were there for some honey blonde. What's her name, daddy? Honey? No, it's Kelly. <laughs> so I didn't mention it in the leather scene, but the picture is a picture with Kelly Rippa. Kelly Rippa played his mistress in our timeline. Kelly Rippa is Mark Consuelo's real life wife. Um, so there's a couple layers here that are very, very silly, and I love them all. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that Mark is now a daytime television star. Oh, this is great. This it's amazing. Brings me joy. And so Veronica's like, well, why don't you just tell the FBI? That's what you were doing. He's like, oh, I signed a morality clause with the studio. So yes, I need you, Veronica. My family needs you. And if you don't corroborate, we'll lose everything. And Veronica takes a second, but she's like, I already lost everything. You sent me away from everyone I knew. You banished me where I knew no one and I had nothing. And she's like, you know, you taught me I can survive losing everything. The worst thing happening. The real question is, can you? Which is great. I love this. This is great. This is what we needed for Veronica season two. Like, wow, right? Like, oh, you tried to murder my boyfriend. This is bullshit. We're done. And then just power struggles between the two. Like, fair. Like, that can be fun. But it went on for way too fucking long. Well, I, I, I think I would have been fine with the power struggle if she had already firmly taken the position of, fuck this dude. <laughs> yeah. She tells him, you know, maybe you should be asking me for mercy instead of a favor. And he's just like, oh, damn, I fucked up. <laughs> We cut to school and Cheryl and Kevin and Tony and Claire are walking down being couples. And Midge, we, we catch Midge's face and she's a little confused by this. But then like as they pass, we see Evelyn seeing us like, ah, fuck, this no. is not going to work out for me. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I, like somebody grab me on. She is so good. In this show, I I hope to see her in a lot more things going forward. We go to English class and Archie performs his scene from The Crucible. Betty's reading, you know, the opposite lines. KJ kills this. He does a great job. It's the scene about Proctor being like, I can't lie. I can't go on with this. Like, I can't be a party to this, this ruse. And as he's finishing that, we see Cheryl walking down the hall. And then as Archie, you know, finishes his scene, we're in the principal's office. And she's like... I'm not doing this. And Clifford's there. And Dr. Werther's there. And uh, this is nefarious. I'm not going to name people. It, I'm not going to be party to it. And Clifford's like, so you're going to lose the vixens? And she's like, I can't sign that and then leave them. So I hereby willingly renounce my stewardship of the ris- river vixens. To which like instantly they cut to Clifford. He is pissed off because she totally undercut his threat. And so then as she leaves, she goes, if you'll excuse me, my boyfriend, Kevin Keller, and I are going on a double date with Tony Topaz and her boyfriend, Clay Walker. Toodles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so like they're annoyed. It's like, fuck, our plan did not work. And then we cut at, cut to outside and the four, the, the four of them are together. And she's like, in the end, I did what needed to be done. 
and they say they're thankful, especially since they knew how much that meant to you. And you're like, Cheryl has a couple more like statements about like, shouldn't have to make a choice. It shouldn't be wrong. It, this feels very much like, but I'm a cheerleader moment, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a fabulous movie if you have not seen that. And she's like, you know, at least with you three, I can continue living in my truth. And then Tony adds, and may Evelyn ever never fall off the top of the Vixen Pyramid and break her scrawny neck. Yep. Which, valid. No, back to KJ, though. Holy shit. KJ killed it. <laughs> and drops straight into John Proctor. Very, very well. Yeah, KJ's not going to have any problem doing, like, other acting if that's what he chooses to pursue. I know he's doing a lot of music stuff, but... Yeah, he's he's going to be fine. Um, this yeah. scene definitely helps him with that for sure. Actually, we cut over to Archie. He's grabbing a Coke and he's at the machine and Veronica comes up to him and she compliments him. She's like, you know, it gave me a lot to think about that. So thank you, Mr. Proctor. And then she gives him a kiss on the cheek. And then as she pulls away, they both kind of look at each other and there's some this weird lingering. And so then she like full on kisses him. And then like when they're done, it's kind of like a weird look on both of their faces. Like, hmm, I don't. I, it's it felt very much like this doesn't feel right like the kiss wasn't wrong they're both up for that but like something's off here <laughs> that's that's how i read that scene subtleties come on stop teasing also because us, they are not fuckers. end game they just stop teasing <laughs> us so much yeah uh we cut over to pops and jughead is very in his hunter s thompson um mode and uh, river scouts there asking for a comic book they you know ethel hands over the the comic kid gets it and then oh here comes in the scout master with sheriff and like it you know it was a sting i told you someone was supplying you know my venture scouts with comic books and the jig is up jughead hand them over and so you know ethel gives them the the duffel and so they cut in you know pretty quickly to them at jug's train card it's like eh it was fun while it lasted. We made some money. And at least your comic book's out there. And how do you feel? And I was like, I'm really proud. And uh, he's like, you should be. It's a really swell comic here. And uh, she's like, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they cut it to the point where it was like, no, they're not going to be in that deep of trouble. It was just like, get out of here, you stupid kids. Yeah, they didn't really do anything illegal. Just not great. <laughs> we go over to the Pembroke and uh, Hiram's there. To have dinner and Veronica's like, oh nope, I'm gonna go take this in my room. I have to finish memorizing a scene for school. And he's kind of like, oh man, she's not she's not doing the thing that I want her to do just yet. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's that yeah. hiring thing of I hate that my life has gotten to this point, and also I really need her to fucking follow through here. Yeah, or like she's but she's also just like she's not willing to pretend. That we have this great relationship, which is, you know, healthy. Boundaries are important. So we cut to school and Archie's at his locker. He's getting done. And a woman approaches him. And it's Geraldine Grundy. I, what? And yes, that is our actress from seasons one and two. Yes. We, I, do you know how many times throughout this entire fucking series? We have besmirched the name Geraldine Grundy because of how awful that storyline was. We got to the point in some of the some of the seasons with the crazy shit where mm -hmm. I was like, fine, fine, as long as they never bring back Grundy. Yeah. They brought back <laughs> Grundy. I knew like I didn't know because I didn't see the actress's name on anything and I wasn't looking for it, but I was like, this is gonna happen. Which again, I'm fine with like, this helps support my we're resetting to season one. Again, fine. But um, oh my god. <laughs> I can't up. believe they fucking did it. I'm, I'm here for this. 
she's you know she's taking over for Thornton's class she hears you're a wonderful poet he's like yeah she was my mentor at Mount Holyoke um she says you're very special um and it's like if you'd like to continue working on your poetry with someone I'd be happy to help and he's like Archie's like yeah but can we keep it between us there's a lot of people who don't like the idea of me writing poetry like my uncle who's my basketball coach for one and she's like I understand it could be our little secret which gross 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 as long as they don't bone as long as they don't bone and he's just like this is great and she's like have you ever met a real poet no don't they all live in New York and she's like not all of them my husband is a poet he lives here and if you like i can give you a collection of his poetry for you to read he's like yeah that sounds great mrs grundy all right she's got a husband i want i can't wait to find out who her husband is like who's playing her husband god who is it oh i can't i can't i haven't i haven't looked it up i want to be surprised i'm excited we go over to the principal's office and the three asshole dudes are looking at this giant pile of comics you know this is all the stuff that they were able to get from jughead and ethel this is everything they've confiscated but you know there are still new dealers peddling comic books and werther's like we've failed we have not been persuasive enough in our crusade against comic books you know the days of half measures are over i believe it's now it's time for full measures and keller's like did you have something in mind oh yes yes so we know we know where this is going. Like even before you've watched the episode, you know where this is going. We get over to English class, and Veronica is doing a scene from King Lear. Lear asked his daughter Cordelia to profess her love for him to prove her devotion. And so she starts, and like as she's performing this, you can tell that she is very much processing what's happening with her dad. Mm-hmm. And like what a shitty position he's put her in. Like this is fucked. Is essentially is, the gist of it. Which is exactly the same thing that happens in Lear. Sure. So we cut to the Pembroke, and I love that Hiram's in the office that was always his in our timeline. There's no portrait, um, which I think is kind of funny. And she hands him an envelope where she starts to hand him an envelope. He's like, oh, what's this? She goes, oh, it's an affidavit that confirms that we were in Cuba on a father-daughter cigar buying trip. And he's like, oh, this is great. It'll do, it'll do wonders. And she goes, oh, well, I didn't do it for you. I did it for mom. But oh, you have to be honest with her about Kelly. And he's just like, what? Well, why would you make me do that? She's like, well, you may not be a communist, but you are a philanderer. And mom doesn't deserve to be disrespected in that way. And if you don't tell her, I will. And he's like, fine. She goes, oh, one more thing. You're going to sign over the Pembroke to me. Clear. Outright. Because I need to know that I'll always have a home, even if it's not in Los Angeles and not with you. Which I loved that. This was very much back to the, you know, you're just a dog conversation that they had, which we were just like, you hurt. Like, what she said hurt Hiram in the best way, in the way that it needed to. And he's just like, okay. Loved it. Loved it. And as she walks away, Hiram does that thing where he smiles at her. He's he's hurt, but he respects uh, the chutzpah there. He's like, that's my daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. We go to the post office and Betty is a little confused and she goes up to the counter. She goes, uh, I found this card in my P.O. box. I don't know what it means. And the clerk is like, oh, we put those uh, in boxes when we can't put all the mail in there due to volume. And Betty's like, what? She's like, oh, yeah, you're you're pretty popular. And she gets this pretty good sized bag filled with letters to a girl next door. Very cute. We come back to the Pembroke and in walks Hermione. Um, Veronica says, you and daddy must have passed each other flying through the air. She goes, well, now that you mentioned, I did feel some turbulence. (laughs) (laughs) But she's there. 
uh, for a little bit. And then when she gets back to Los Angeles, they're going to announce that Omiha will be its last season. And then once the last episode has aired, we'll announce that we're getting a divorce. And Veronica's like, okay, well, what are you going to do without the show, without, you know, dad? And she's like, I don't know, but I'm very excited for what the future holds. And so I was thinking, what about an East Coast Christmas? Um, we'll do it in New York, just the two of us. And Veronica's like, yeah, just the two of us. So here we've reset Veronica, or we're in the process of resetting Veronica. Oh, great. Sounds good. Love it. So then we go to school and there was a line of students like towards the office. Like they're all holding like stacks of comics. And Jack is like, hey, what's up? He's like, oh, Principal Featherhead put out the word. He's buying comic books off us. And Jughead's like, uh-uh, 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 Featherhead must be trying to dipsy doodle us. No, uh <laughs> First he bans them, and now he buys them. What game is that? And, uh, you know, why does he want them off our hands? Love that. I love it. Dipsy doodle is so the Dipsy doodle us. Dipsy so doodle us. I will be saying that again in my life. 2020s Jughead would say shit like that. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's perfect. And Dilton's like, who cares? I've already read these, so what's the harm? Cut to giant comic book burning and everyone's like what the fuck and so then we get a little bit of narration where it says how does a fire start sometimes if you're not careful right on your front stoop riverdale (sighs) okay i feel more encouraged with a couple of the things you pointed out that Mm -hmm. i don't the way the way we're talking it is going to both be a reset but also a an acknowledgement that they are not in their proper timeline. Yeah, like things aren't like things have like shifted just a little bit to the left in different places. So things don't align perfectly, but they are being reset so that then, you know, when our shows ended in the in the cosmic multiverse, someone else can pick up Archie and tell a new story with these same characters. That, that's yeah. how it's going to be. That's going to be the vibe they're going for. I can almost guarantee it. But weirdly, I also think they're going to have some resolution of their timeline as well. The past one. I would hope so. The way we're talking about it, it feels that way. I, I don't know. I don't know. If if the resolution becomes, and I, I would be okay with this, if they all become aware, but they don't know how to get back and they decide, you know what? When we're not getting back and we're going to move on in this world and make this world better with the knowledge that we have from this other world, then I'm okay with that too. Because in a certain sense, you know, when we look at old media and we see things that did not age well or just like really um, homophobic or racist from many years ago, and we revisit now, when we, especially when things get rebooted, it becomes, okay, well, we have to, we have to retcon that. We have to fix that. So maybe that's what the intent is. Hey, we're going to take all this knowledge that we have and we're going to move on in this reality with that information we're going to do better and i'm okay with all that um you know the bend towards justice that's that's essentially what it becomes and again i'm fine with that i just wish we had a better journey for it shall we see the next time on let's go watch the next time on Well, next time is our favorite thing to happen in the show, and it is the musical episode. And uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, and I'm just excited. I'm excited they're doing uh, original songs. They're cl- definitely going to be like parodies inspired by very specific moments in other musicals. I'm wondering how many musicals I joked about being the potential one for this season will have songs pulled from it. There's definitely going to be a Grease. 
wouldn't be surprised if there's a footloose would love a deep cut from uh greece 2 because uh, that's starting to get a lot of play nowadays people are realizing that oh greece 2 is awesome because it is yeah i'm excited it should be fun it's your favorite episode <laughs> uh well, i okay, hate musicals I, so you hate musicals i love musicals um if you're new to the show for some reason, I don't know why. Dave and I both have backgrounds in theater, and I work primarily on the technical side because I like to know how things get made. <laughs> for me, musicals are more technically challenging and there's more spectacle, and so that's why they tend to be my favorite. I also think it's a fun storytelling device, so I enjoy them. Where I've been annoyed in this show is that they aren't used very well, with the exception of the Heathers episode, to tell the story and keep the story that they currently have going. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this original musical does. Um, it could be a train wreck, but it could also be fun. I just hope they let Casey Cott sing well, which also news from the real world. Casey Cott will be taking over the role of Christian on Broadway in Moulin Rouge here soon, which is very cool for him. Um, I would actually love to see him in that because I think he would do a great job. Well, good for him. But a couple things, uh, just like recently as of the recording of this, they released the titles for the rest of the episodes mm. and the schedule for such. So we're going to have an episode July 5th, but then we don't, we're going to have a week off, which is kind of cool for us because that means we get to take a week off to catch up Yay. on life. So uh, we know episode 14 is 131, Archie the Musical, but then episode 15 is going to be Miss Teen Riverdale. Episode 16 is going to be called Stag. Episode 17 is going to be A Different Kin. Episode 18 is A Better Tomorrow. Episode 19 is The Golden Age. And our final episode, episode 20, is going to be Goodbye, Riverdale. What does it mean? Let's what does see. it even mean? Stag is going to be, um, there's going to be a stag night for the boys. Everyone's going stag. That's, I think, might be a little bit more like confronting the Betty versus Veronica thing. A different kin. Uh, maybe that's Cheryl deciding, like, I need a different family because this family sucks. <laughs> a better tomorrow. What does our life look like after Riverdale? After we graduate? A golden age. Oh, this is us fighting with the powers that be about, like, preserving, you know, the quote unquote natural order. That's that bullshit. And then goodbye, Riverdale. It's goodbye, Riverdale. Good fucking riddance. Uh, you say that, but you're going to get sad. Oh, I am, of course. They're gonna, they're gonna front Andrews us and be like, "Fuck, this makes me cry." Oh yeah, no, no, no. They're feelings. gonna, they're gonna legacy us, and it's gonna hurt a little bit. And on the other hand, I'm also gonna be so happy. I don't have to. Talk about We're gonna be happy. We don't anymore. have to do this anymore. But there's gonna be a part of us that is sad. We're like, man, that was a real chunk of our lives. And anytime we hear Riverdale come up, we will be like, oh man, we did that for a while, and that's totally cool and fine. It's just, it's we're allowed to have complex emotions. Mm-hmm. We're also allowed to really be sick and tired of the show. I just wish it was better. All right. Well, until next time, go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.